Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Gerard. You are listening to Unrefined Bro Axiom. I am joined by my two fellow bro hosts this evening, Daniel Leahy. What's up, guys? And Brian Karasik. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here. How you doing, guys? I am uh, glad we get to talk a little bit. A couple things might have happened in the last few days. I don't know if... Um, a few things. Yeah, we got to been... talk about everything. I mean, it's just <laughs> such a, it's been such a great time to be a Star Wars fan for like the last four years. And this is just it's peak Star Wars. There's a channel coming, new show after new show, like the things we've been dreaming about for years. Oh, what if we get an Obi-Wan series? And boom, Obi-Wan series. You get a series. You get a series. It's Hello there. And the casting. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, yes, I'm doing doing great. Thanks. How are you, Jer- Gerard? So so we're so people are excited. We're excited. We have some some things to talk about. Yeah, we got D23 this week, uh, week and weekend. Um, just just the Star Wars stuff alone is is, is a lot. Um, I would like to address what, before we get too far into how awesome all this news is that it it hurts it hurts me in my heart to see all of this this a convention of this size taking place and us not be there having it happen to us. That that is a bit of a a bit of a downer. It's always come hard coming back from a con, but then when there's something else that goes on, oh, I didn't get to go to that one. But no, uh, we saw we saw the first trailer drop, so I guess it'll be all right. Yeah, it was it was very much like watching your homecoming date go to prom without you. Mm. You know, because we were just at no, no, that's different. Chicago. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? No, a little bit. <laughs> I, I think maybe Brian had a different celebration than we had. I don't know. Yeah. Well, at least for <laughs> me, it was it was my first time really feeling i guess i look luckily i was busy this weekend but i did feel kind of uh the fomo the left out aspect of it where i'm like oh man would it have been cool to see ray with you know whip out a red saber staff like that live like boy would i have lost it oh that would have been so cool. we, yeah. i was fortunate enough to have been able to go to uh keystone down in Philly, and it's funny, but because Daniel and uh, Daniel, Chris, and V from our fellow Bro Axiom show, Quick Shot, were mm-hmm. on a comic panel, and um, and that was pretty cool. But it was funny how Miller said uh, that it felt like a little little bit of celebration, you know, after the you know sure. after all this time, you know, it was it was cool it, it, to well, nothing really compared to follow that, up with what you said, Brian. Yeah. Seeing that stuff is, you know, it doesn't make you like, oh man, I wish it's I was there. All, I, you know, today I was thinking, how do I, how do I get to D twenty three next yeah. year? How do, or two years from now, whenever it is? Yeah, it's it's hard to miss. I want to go. But, you know, it yet again, this is just uh, the Star Wars fandom provides us with a variety of opportunities to practice self discipline and uh, proper budgeting. If it weren't for free Marriott points and that's, free Delta points, funny. I wouldn't have gone to either of the celebrations I've gone to. Well, work a lot, get That's some more points. <laughs> yeah, if it weren't for me living in Chicago, I know last year's would have been pretty tough. Yeah. So I got lucky. So I, I got to say, I, you guys are, to, I kind of want to get into it because you guys are more Mandalorian based than me. I'm excited to see the show, but similar to Han Solo, the, the solo film, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but I am not invested one iota in the character, in the culture of Mandalore, in any of that stuff. So I'm just going into it perfectly, perfectly blind with a big grin on my face. Tell me about Star mm-hmm. Wars. I'm, I'm fine with it. But there's such a huge Mando culture out there in the fandom. I mean, obviously, not just the Mando mercs, but just 
people who are fans of it. So you guys, I think, are just from having the the talks we've had, you guys are much more into the show than I am. Tell me what your impressions are of it. Well, so I, the reason why I'm psyched about it is a few things. Dave Filoni's involvement. Dave Filoni finally directing something live action, something we've kind of been screaming for since Clone Wars. Uh, That's, that's massive. You know, him and him developing things with Jon Favreau, seeing both of them on stage. And normally Dave is very relaxed and kind of cocky on stage. At that panel, they both looked nervous, but nervous in a way that is a, we've both worked so hard on this. This is so originally ours. And we want you to love it so much. That that was the impression I got from John Favreau at that panel was I like, I want you to love this project so much. And I'm so nervous and I'm so happy. I finally get to show you guys stuff. That was the emotion that was coming across. And I also got to see the you know 10 minutes of the first episode and the whole sizzle reel that they showed, which the sizzle reel was like twice as long as the trailer that they showed at D23 this, this past weekend. So to me, like, I'm invested in it because I know what the show looks like when you just get to sit and watch it. And it's immaculate. Like it is so phenomenally done. And the scene we saw wasn't even that action packed or that heavy into the plot yet because it was from episode one. But from what we saw, I was so in the zone and focused on it that when the scene ended and the lights came back up, I was, it took me a second. I was lost. And we all were just so enthralled in what we had seen. And some people have said, you know, it looks a little unfinished. Well, yeah, of course, maybe it did, fair. but I, I didn't have time to notice. Yeah, I, did, I didn't have time to notice that, well, that it was unfinished at all. This I, is a perfect setup so for good. both of those guys to get a, to get in on this action because it's virgin territory. We don't know anything about that time period in the current canon. And nor do we know anything about this character mm-hmm. or anything he's doing. Or, I mean, you know, you see a sandy world, you assume Tatooine, but who knows? It could be anyone. And I'm I'm really mm-hmm. hoping that this show and Johnson's trilogy, maybe not Johnson's trilogy, but this show, this kind of thing is a way to put kind of the the divisiveness amongst the fan base behind us. Because like, all right, you know, we're settling the Skywalker mm-hmm. saga. Episode nine is almost done. Let's let's move past it. There's more Star Wars than than the Star Wars you grew up with. And I, I've said since 1999 no matter how hard they try, Lucasfilm is never going to make a new movie that comes out when you were eight years old. So they've had some big shoes to fill, but with this Mandalorian, they, we don't know, we don't know anything about that time period, about the characters. So nobody, nobody could have the emotional investment in these characters that they have from a Luke. You know, I'm sure, sure you've seen the, not my Luke, you know, not my star Wars. It's, it's, it's garbage. Like it, it's, that's just finding something to dislike. And I think I'm, I'm really, I'm really hoping that we can't really find much to dislike in the Mandalorian. Cause I've seen people who just decide I'm not gonna like this movie. I'm just going to pick a random reason why. And I, I think I'm, I'm mm-hmm. amazed mm-hmm. that it's a TV show. It just looks so beautiful. That's the thing about it that I'm not a huge, you know, Mandalorian fan, you know, of it just never really, you know, Boba Fett's a cool character, but you know, people love him. That's great. But um, mm-hmm. the cinematography of this show looks—it's just—it's stunning the way it's the way it's shot, even the way he frames it. Um, it just from what I saw, see, seeing seeing those small clips that kind of get smuggled out when we were there. I unfortunately I didn't get to get to see it in the um in the panel, but 
it just looks looks cool you know and it's just that one you know it's probably all from the same scene but it just it looked great and i i you know it's not the the most excited i am about a potential or future series on disney plus that's coming out um but i'm definitely excited for it but i'm more excited for a different one and you've got to have some you've got to have some feelings invested into this this other show brian right Oh, but wait, before we get there, I do want to say I'm really impressed with the casting on The Mandalorian because I think that um, the uh, Pedro Pascal is amazing. I love his work. And I mean, even liked him in The Kingsman, which is the Golden Circle, kind of a goofy movie. Everybody's just chewing scenery from the left and the right. But, you know, he's amazing in Game of Thrones. I think I'm, he's going to be great. I'm really glad they cast him. But I got to say, I hadn't heard much about it until I saw the trailer Werner Herzog is in this movie, and that guy makes everything better just by being near it. You, you're familiar with, with his work, right? Oh, the, the dude is oh, awesome. Did you see him? And you, no, you have more of him. no idea. I can't wait. You have no idea. I love how idea he how good plays Werner with Herzog his own image. Did you guys see him in Parks and Recreation by any chance? Okay, so folks yeah, at home, yes. I'll spare you the whole scene. But Werner Her- Herzog plays a guy who is selling a home to two of the uh, two of the main characters in the show, Parks and Recreation, and the home is unbelievably gross and horrific. And um, he closes the scene by saying he's selling he's selling the house in his Werner Herzog voice. I'm selling the house to move to Orlando to be closer to Disney World. <laughs> just uh, with this, this deadpan, you know, like he may as well have said, I'm going to move to Orlando to murder your mother, but uh, it, it's great. So I'm just happy to see him getting work no matter what. And I mean, Nick Nolte and Tiger. Yeah, you're TV, going just, to be such a uh, great, uh, anyway, that's, I just had to, had to rave about that. He's cool. And uh, Chris, Chris wouldn't forgive me, wouldn't forgive me if I didn't bring up Carl Weathers. So yeah, Carl Weathers. But anyway, Werner Herzog, I'm very glad he's in the yes. movie. Yeah, you guys are uh, you guys are going to be very if you're satisfied with the casting, like so, so like I'm just going to keep chirping because I got to see it. But you're going to be really satisfied when you actually see them get to do things, man. It is so like I, like I get way too excited thinking about that footage because the scene. Oh, my gosh. The scene when the Mandalorian talks to Werner mm-hmm. Herzog for the first time. Oh, my goodness, dude. It is. You get so caught up in that scene and he is so good in it. Oh my gosh, you're you're gonna go to that's it's gonna be awesome. your favorite. Well, I mean, you know, Zog, I think. cards on the table. Unpopular and, opinion. I'm not a big fan of Boba Fett. I never really saw it. Saw him. I never mm-hmm. really saw the appeal. Like, fine, he looks cool. I didn't like the color scheme of his outfit. Like, none of it. It just, eh, whatever. He's a good bounty hunter. We're told we don't actually see him hunt anything. Um, but I, I am, mm-hmm. I'm interested in that culture and. Clone Wars and Rebels are kind of against my will got me more interested in Mandalore and the culture thereof. Cause like I only ever associated Mandalore with an overrated bounty hunter Same. and an overpowered video game character. And that's all that I, you know, that's all I got. So whatever, but I'm really excited about the show. I, I couldn't be happier that it's coming out. And I'm, I'm already just waiting for the day I can start on, on Disney plus. Cause that's the, that's going to be my streaming service of choice. They're pulling everything off Netflix. Why stick around with Netflix? How many times are you going to watch the friends? Uh, See, there you go. Is, We're friends is getting I have to get too. friends plus to watch that. I yeah. 
But I'm telling you, I, I've I've already been starting to get bummed out about the post Rise of Skywalker like funk that I'm going to go into. And oh no, I, I'm telling you that the Obi Wan series is has literally pulled me from the funk I haven't even been in yet. I am You've so pumped that that's actually going to happen. That's yeah, I'm excited about that. So yes. obviously McGregor is the only Kenobi. Right. I mean, the voice actors who've played him over the years are stellar as well. But come on, you got you and give me a break. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And he's the now, perfect age. When do we think this is going to take place? Because we know canonically that Kenobi did not leave Tatooine between the end of episode three and the beginning of episode four. So he was there for and entire I, I read somewhere, and I don't know, I think I read somewhere that it was like possibly eight years after Revenge of the Sith. Yep, that's right. But if, is that correct? Or is that yep. just still kind of, has it been confirmed? Or I had read that that's what well. That's what, uh, who who came out with that? Someone someone came out with that, but it was a fairly official source from what I remember. Um, which I think would be a cool time frame. It's, it's definitely before Rebels. And after, obviously, Revenge of the Sith. So, mm-hmm. um, well, you know, what? I think we'll see a mall in there or something. But, you know, will they, they won't, he, I, he, maybe he I, won't know, you know. Ugh. I'd love it if we did. But honestly, I think that would take away some of the twin sons moment. You know, I, I like for that moment to be their first reunion. It's like, do you, do you, what about Vader? Like, we don't see him in it. I don't think. I don't think it would be possible because, you know, how much retconning can you do? But, you know, will he come up in topics or like you see? Yeah, it turns out no. everyone lives on oh, Tatooine man. for that twenty years, right? Yeah, every, yeah. That's the other thing is if he's just on Tatooine, Vader's I'm down. Sure, on Vader. Yeah, Saturday, knocking back a few. I'll tell you, yeah. I did I ever tell you I won the Bunta race? <laughs> I can't, can't imagine. He really started yeah. warming up to sand as time went on. Well, John Jackson I, Miller's Kenobi was an amazing novel. It's no longer canon, but it's got some good story hooks in it. We've seen some of Kenobi's journal uh, through the Star Wars comic series. So there's there's mm-hmm. existing frameworks there. But again, we don't know a whole lot about that time frame. And I'm, I'm really interested to see what they do with it and, and what McGregor does with it. Because as I'm sure you all know listening... You and McGregor famously had to be told to stop making lightsaber noises with his mouth when he was first doing duels in in, uh, in Phantom Menace, and that just sends me about about you. And he's just hey, think that, about that though. Think about it. He's going to be Obi Wan Kenobi again on the screen. That is awesome, and it's going to be more than one one time. We're going to get yeah. a series. I love yeah. that it's a series and not a movie. Kenobi is one of my two favorite light side using force sensitive people and there are two and, and i gotta say ahsoka is the other one um you know i lo- i love luke nothing against him but l- for me luke is more of a i don't know i like luke as the farm boy kind of the 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 fighter ace you know i've never really in, in appreciated him in the eu as the you know jedi grand master luke i've never really mm-hmm got into that and and for me it was just because just purely personal opinion i'm not saying that i'm right about this this is just how i feel can't help it um he was just invincible and he answered to no one and nothing ever really posed any danger to him that i can remember any anywhere in the eu it was always just like oh no what'll happen luke will save us and that's very soon 
Yeah, pe- people get mad that, you know, <laughs> uh, characters I won't name in current canon are too powerful because they don't drown halfway through the second movie in the trilogy. But, mm-hmm. I mean, and uh, Daniel, you and I have talked about this before, but I really think it comes, it often comes down to if you like Superman or Batman. Because if you like Superman, then you can appreciate a protagonist who's invincible and nothing ever threatens him. And and there's stories to be told there, but they're not stories that really engage me. So mm. that said, Ahsoka and Kenobi are two of the most accessible characters for me because we learn more about them. And it's entirely due to Clone Wars um, and a little bit of Rebels for Ahsoka. But, you know, the, what we see of Kenobi and Ahsoka in that series really opened them up to me. And I, I feel much much more engaged with both of those characters. And even the Star Wars comics filled it in by letting me see how Kenobi tried to take care of Luke. And then Owen yelled at him, you know, haven't you killed enough Skywalkers? And, you know, shouts at him and, and gets him, you know, runs him off and whatnot. And then Kenobi's leaving little toys for Luke. Where he can oh, it's the cutest thing. The oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. So I just I can't I can't wait to see that. I'm excited to see you and McGregor back on the screen. It's just, it's the, it's perfect. Like I said, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting t- t- choked up here. Look at him. He's out of control. Daniel, you love this, right? You're pumped for this, Daniel, right? Well, Kenobi is my favorite Jedi for sure. Um, there's a few that come close. I don't consider Ahsoka a Jedi, by the way. That's like, her, she's kind of this force entity to me. This is so off topic, but Ahsoka, why Ahsoka isn't a Jedi to me. She represents, I think, everything a force user should be. But I can expand on that at a later date. Agreed. But yeah, so Kenobi, um, I'm really curious. You guys touched on this. Like, what? who's the antagonist going to be? What's the conflict going to be? Now, four, three or four years ago on Collider Jedi Council, Sam Witwer was on. And this is when one of the first Kenobi rumors had come up. You know, like some director got attached to a movie or something. And so they were talking about it. And Witwer had said... Because you know how Witwer is. He's he's just somehow involved in everything and is, you know, charismatic and friends with everyone. So everyone kind of shows him stuff. He's the, he's like a sponge in that way. So he had read and gotten to hear the pitches for several Kenobi movies at the time. And he said in that podcast, and you guys can go back and find this and listen to it. He said in that podcast that you it is some of the most next level storytelling in some of the best Star Wars you would ever hear. I remember that stuff that was written and sitting in the vault. Yeah. And so that stuff that, you know, clearly they decided to develop this into a show, which I think is very good. And even if it's only like an eight episode miniseries, oh my gosh, that's worth its weight in gold. You know, like that's, and when you talk about things that Star Wars fans have wanted, and Brian touched on this earlier, where we really need Star Wars to start healing. Not that Star Wars owes anyone anything, or that Disney does or Lucasfilm does, but it is nice to see that there are projects coming across that are things we definitely all want. Everyone wanted Kenobi. Everyone, I'll say 99% of people, because I know Brian isn't one of them. Almost everyone wanted to know more about Mandalore and like, what the heck is Boba Fett? And, and you know, what is the status of all this? What's post ROTJ? universe what's going on six years after that you know that's well after the new republic is formed but clearly there's still all these remnants and and garrisons on different planets that are running amok it's such a beautiful 
time in Star Wars history that we really haven't delved into much. You know, what do we have? The Aftermath trilogy and oh, Phasma and Bloodline and a few comics here and there. So yeah, not that's not a lot of stuff. A we don't lot have a untapped lot. potential there. So that's why, like these stories, where we're going to enter places we haven't really gotten to see, and we have gotten to see Tatooine during the Dark Times period between three and four, but we haven't gotten to see it really in beautiful live action and to see what Kenobi's really up to. And I'm sitting here, I'm not going to speculate and throw out stuff that I think they're going to do because I, I'm just so curious and I'm staying open-minded about it, but I'm, I, I really want to know what the conflict's going to be. And I, and I, I disagree that Kenobi can't get off planet at all because his number one goal is he needs to protect Luke. If him protecting Luke means he has to go off planet to take care of some business then it is what it is. Yeah. Anybody that, that puts that lock around it and shackles a, you know, a planet to his, to his ankle, they're out of their minds. There's no way he's just going to stay in one place. It's well, it would be like still the incredible make a compelling story, just like in the Kenobi novel. It's a compelling story, but I don't know. For, if you, so but if for, you a, do for a series, as, it would be, I mean, I would, I would be shocked if they have a series and they don't have them. I don't know. You know Most of my favorite, favorite series you know. take place on only one planet. But, but no, but you're will, right, Brian. You're right. Brian, but stop it with your they, logic. But you're I, talking I about considered books, that. Though. Yeah. He could like do a right? little quick runabout. You know, I need to pop over to Hoth or whatever to pick up some slushies. I don't know what he'd do, but yeah, I, I could see that. I, I, I mean, I, we know that uh, we don't know anything. I would be interested to have it explained to me how he would leave for a period of time. But like yeah, running an errand, you know, monster of the week, mm -hmm. whatever. I, I could see that. I just didn't get the sense that he had ever had access to travel. Like it, it seemed like it was a pretty big deal for him to get the the money to pay Hansel to take him out there. Which incidentally, can, mm, would we not really all love point. to live in a, in a world where you could sell a teenager's used car for the price of interstellar travel? I, I can't get over that. You know, like I had a 73 Mustang when I was a kid and if I <laughs> sold it, I probably couldn't have gotten a ride down the street, much less into another star system. So I, I always thought that was interesting, but I'm sure between <laughs> the writing staff they've got and the story group and the actors, you know, they could, they could set it all in Kenobi's hut and I would, I would certainly enjoy it. I heard a good suggestion on the Broaxium Quickshot, actually, where it was suggested that they might couch the entire Kenobi show in the framework of Luke reading his journal. Every like every episode, we get Luke reading a ne mm. the next chapter of, of Kenobi's journal and then seeing that play out. Uh, I thought that'd be an, an interesting one. That's not me. <gasps> That's a, a, a joint effort between Daniel Miller and Chris Ryan's. But I liked it, so that's my theory Dude, now. I think I like, feel I like is that, didn't Connor say something like that a long time ago? No, have, no, but no, we're not no, admitting. Connor it. doesn't get credit for anything. No. <laughs> this is this is Daniel and Chris. What's? Yeah, no, that's that's brilliant though. We can hand it to Chris. That's really brilliant. That's a little too brilliant for Daniel. So I'm going to give credit to Chris on this. But that, I'm just kidding. Daniel, <laughs> sure but yeah, that because that way it's like it, it's it's a. Uh, it, you can tell stories from different parts right. of Kenobi's and then life that way. Be locked onto that same planet. So you could tell a Clone Wars story, you know, 
Hey, you know, while we're at it, I have oh a great way that they could tell every non-canonical, really take. every legend story in Star Wars. Put it on the big screen and not actually interfere with the canon they're creating now. And it, and it stems from the Toy Story franchise. I don't see why we're not making a mm-hmm. Star Wars Toy Story series. Oh, my God. Wouldn't you love to see a, a Power of the Force Luke Skywalker together with a Black Series Mara Jade teamed up to try to fight Kylo Ren because Kylo Ren's trying to melt down all the Mara Jades because he doesn't want there to be any any hint of the old canon. And you're like, they're toys, but aware of their part. But, you know, then you get... That would be You hilarious. can tell the whole Heir to the Empire story using Pixar animated Star Wars figures. Who's not going to watch that? I would love to see that. I was hoping in Toy Story 4 we'd see a cameo of some of the Star Wars action figures because that was once... I think that was the first Toy Story movie that was made after the Disney buy, maybe three. I forget, but they've not done it. It's a it's a, a way they could print money, but they don't seem to be interested in it. Mm-hmm. I've written them again and again, and they keep saying, uh, we are not Disney. We are a pizza place. Would you like to order pizza? I, and I got a shout out to, I'm sure that your listeners here, <laughs> our listeners are, are informed yeah, enough about Star good. Wars that they're already reading the comic series, but we do get to see so much of what happened in between the scenes on the uh in the star wars comic series like the flagship title you know who i and i've talked to serious fans who haven't read the comics and and don't know that luke's mm-hmm. lightsaber duel with vader and empire strikes back was not the first time they crossed blades and that's a great scene between the two of them and it's it's a shame that people who like the saga haven't mm-hmm. seen it Yeah, I, that series has gone in ways where uh, I wouldn't have necessarily taken it that way. But li- like that that scene is it is a great Vader line, mm-hmm. and I, it's a great Vader line because it's Vader being a sassy a hole, right? Which is like my, like the do not choke on your aspiration. Like I love that. Like that was so Vader, and everyone sucks who thinks that that line sucks. Yeah, yeah. And so, like the line that is, is like, you killed out. my father. I've killed that many That is a fathers. shout so out to Major Bison like that's, in the Street that's, Fighter that's so classic Vader. And uh, I, I think it was done better in the comic, but I will say that Raul Julia, the brilliant and late and much lamented Raul Julia, delivers that line as M. Bison when Chun Li tells him, she introduced, she does her big, you know, you killed my father, prepare to die speech. And he says, to you, the day Bison came to your village was the worst mm. day of your life. But to me, it was a Tuesday. <laughs> That's just such a great moment. You love seeing an evil villain who's just like into it. <laughs> you know, I like to say that no one's the, the villain of their own story. Everyone thinks that they are the hero of, of what, what is happening. But some characters like Bison and your Palpatines and your Vaders are like, yep, this is what I do and I do it well. Get used to it. Love it. So uh, I am excited about the Kenobi series. I'm really looking forward to seeing how they, if they do bring Maul in there. Um, I, I don't, I think that they're doing things very carefully and I've been so impressed with the way they've tied things together. And it really struck me when I was Mm -hmm. watching rogue one on premiere night and I was watching Jen or so reading through the list of project names of what it could be. And she's reading off the list of project names that we saw in Catalyst. And that's just, it's a small thing. And it's only four words in the dialogue of the film. And it's literally one sentence that they say in um, 
in the Catalyst novel, but it's just such that kind of attention to detail. I'm sure that whatever happens in Kenobi, I will not have one problem with the canonicity of it or the time brand. Like, yay, Kenobi's on screen again. It's going to be fine. It's going to be, uh, I, I wonder, it's because it, it is going to take like an entire hour of, of the first Kenobi episode for us to like stop freaking out that we're watching Ewan McGregor on screen as Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's going to be real. That's that there are going to be some feels, man. I tell you what, you talk about Ugh. tears watching a trailer. Mandalorian gets me excited in other ways. OK. Like, you know, lower down in the pants type ways because it's just badass Star Wars. <laughs> but Kenobi, it, when I see that Kenobi trailer, I am going to be alone in my room with a box of tissues because I'm going to be crying my eyes out. Happy tissues. <laughs> no i'm gonna be so emotional because that is just because he is he's my favorite jedi he's he, and we've known him so well and he has some of the best lines like talk about the most quotable lines in star wars he's got a good chunk of them you know he's just a boss man it's gonna be so cool to watch him do that and the fact that uh ewan mcgregor said oh yeah it's been really hard to not talk about this for four years what do you mean four years, Ewan? What do you mean four years, bro? Like, you are you telling me? Well, every year there's big rumors of, uh, you know, Ewan McGregor confirmed. Yeah. Oh, maybe not. Confirmed. Well, we knew it, it wasn't oh, a rumor that he met with Lucasfilm. Like, there were, like, photos of him walking in the building and stuff. You know, like, that was, right. like. And how would they do anything but? You know, like, why wouldn't they make a Kenobi series and why wouldn't they cast Ewan McGregor? He's obviously into it. The fans are obviously hungry for it. The only reason he couldn't talk about it for four years is because Disney's like, let's make them cry. They want us to be a little thirstier. It was a business decision because they wanted it to come out on their on their streaming service, I think. Oh, so it makes sense. And you're right, though. They make they did probably want to wait until after this trilogy was done and then. When the I'm sure that the streaming service has been planned for a, a little while, and you know they got to get that ready and to go before they can put timelines on these shows. And I think Mandalorian was just kind of a, you know, uh, Favreau's already in the Disney family, and I'm sure I'm sure Kenobi since Iron Man. I mean, Favreau arguably is the father of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Why not get him involved in Star Wars? Very true. Very true. And so I think uh, Kenobi, you don't want to you don't want to lead with the Kenobi show, you know, because that goes bad somehow. Which it could never go bad. I I don't even know I'm bringing that up as a possibility. It could never be bad because you could just have. Now I really want I really want to see you and McGregor in like a late night talk show. It's the Kenobi show. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Hello. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) Hello there. (laughs) Don't you know he'd start every episode with that? He'd like come out and do a big bow. Like, hello there. Uh, Did you see the meme? I put this is no one cares about what I'm about to say, but did you see the meme I posted in our admin group chat today? That was the Dennis Lawson one where it's like, Kathy, ask me in front of all these people. If I'm going to play, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking? Wedge Antilles again. He's like, are you going to go? Are you going to play Wedge Antilles again? And he just goes, no. <laughs> that was the hot. I, oh my god, That's gosh. another character I've never seen the appeal to. Is he even in the movie? Like I wouldn't him and Biggs. Like, who are these people? Oh, stop it. Wedge is awesome. Big, Wedge is the only pilot 
that fought in <laughs> well i guess that's not true now yeah let me let me let me correct you before you finish that yeah because he's because it's it's just wedge and oh my gosh what's her face the y-wing pilot the she's blonde she's from alderaan why can i not remember her name she's in the she's in the star wars comic Susie, Susie y-wing pilotopolis no see now this is gonna drive me nuts wouldn't that be a great Star Wars name, though? Come on, X-wing Pilotopolis. It sounds awesome. <laughs> what is she Greek? <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see. Battle of I, I got to find this now. Well, there were there were a lot of things that they talked about at D twenty three. A ton of Disney stuff. There's a lot more Star Wars stuff. There's little mm-hmm. Clone Wars talk, but I mean, let's. I think the most important. Yeah, let's get to it. The the rise of Skywalker sizzle reel thing that just, oh, how it started, how it ended. Yep. So I I got to say, I'm right out the gate, and I, I want to go on record as saying that Ray is not evil and neither is C-3PO. So calm down, everybody. Yes, agreed. I don't think Disney bought this franchise to make their first female protagonist do a heel turn and then take a beloved droid sidekick that everyone's loved since 1977. Oh, by the way, he's evil too now. So right. I, don't, I don't see it. Yeah. This has got, I don't think three PO's red eyes have anything. To do, do you know how many evil. people I saw talking about how they said they saw a wedding ring on her finger and it's proof that she's married to Kylo. That is actually a conversation that's happening in the world right now. But that's people. sad. Well, between people, the to that I will add my own personal favorite, which is that. Speaking of things that people are actually saying in the world right now, I have had it told to me angrily and condescendingly that nothing in the new in the new production line is canon. Yeah, I had that. None of it. Too. <laughs> none of the movies. None of the books. None of the books are canon. Um. And including my one of my favorite phrases from a fan. No, I don't care what Lucasfilm says. They're not canon. And here's why. Because if any part of them is non-canonical, then none of them is, which I don't know where we get that leap of faith either. But it was explained to me that all, all Disney stuff is non-canonical because, specifically because Aftermath, Empire's End, which is the third, the third of the Aftermath trilogy. Is that Empire's yep. End? No. Yep. Okay, Empire's End. We meet Jar Jar Binks and he's not a Sith Lord. And because he's not a Sith Lord, that contradicts established canon in the prequels. And therefore, none of it, none of it is canon. Oh, boy. And I had to, I had to block this young woman. I wish I, I wish I could say her name. Yeah. Um, uh, please don't. But she, <laughs> she just angrily states that that's, you know, I, I consider directorial intent to be canon. Well, nobody else does. But uh, okay, have at it. So, by the way, Luke uh, is supposed to be a woman, and Han Solo is supposed to be a seven foot tall green alien. Is that because that was directorial intent to the mm-hmm. same level to charge mm-hmm. it? Anyway, it's funny. It's funny now. I've I've had a, a few months since April to kind of step back from my involvement in the fandom, mm-hmm. and I can look at things objectively and think, you know, it's it's funny that people think that, and it's funny that they get so worked up about it. But you know, when it comes down to it. They're they're entitled to think that, but it I, it, it amazes me that that people make yeah, that, that kind things of don't work like that, and it's just it's to sad to see that people just don't take better. their mental health seriously sometimes. But 
Neither of those things are that's, that and her. <laughs> but sure. Like, oh, Razor Palpatine because of her lightsaber style, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I was like, I'm not sure we really know right, enough about. I mean, we know on paper, right? But yeah, in fighting <laughs> forms that, well, that Palpatine used canonically, but we don't see him do a lot of fighting, and it's I. I don't know. You're you're a saber pro, Daniel. Could can you see any any validity to the concept that Ray uses a similar fighting style to Palpatine? Uh, no, no. The, the in the, it's based off one move that Ray does, where it's like a stabbing motion. That's that people look at uh, Sidious's style and like, oh, he oh, does yeah. he does he he likes some stabbing motions. Um, that's a, that's a common move for a swordsmith. Well, it's or a, a staff user. It, a staff user will use that stabbing move because it's a way to create distance, but also strike your opponent opponent from a defensive place. So sure. Daniel is an expert swordsman. It. No, I am absolutely not. But I have <laughs> certainly more informed than I am. I win every lightsaber duel I've ever won. I win by cackling until they drop their sword. <laughs> no, I'm just, I just, just can't handle that. <laughs> yeah, I, I've done a, a, a bare amount of studying of uh, Ray's you know, it's like staff style, just so I'm more informed about like, cause Ray's my favorite character. So I, I kind of want to know what she's doing, you know, studying the choreographer who worked with her on developing the styles for force awakens. So yeah, she, it's that stabbing motion that people equate to Sidious's style. Sidious uses an incredible blend of every lightsaber form. Um, he, except for Sarisu, he really doesn't ever play defense, but he's just Sidious's main asset is that he's incredibly fast. And his speed, he actually it can be quite sloppy at times with his style, but that's because he's so fast and so powerful and so scary that he can get away with it. So you see his uh, the fight between him and him, Savage Press and Maul on Mandalore. If you break down and look technique wise, he's kind of all over the place. But it's this he has an economy of motion and a flow that is incredibly um oh, what's the word it, it can be deceiving at times and he just gets you like his i love how he drags his sabers through the ground in that fight oh it's the sexiest thing ever that is uh, but nothing beats that backwards hop he does when he kills savage with both lightsabers under his arms and just a little yeah it's so cocky oh. it's the cockiest fight and he just wipes the floor with them like they were nothing Man, i i cannot i cannot overemphasize the advantage it gives you to be cackling like a maniac the entire time you're sword fighting with someone because as i've we i mean i saw it happen at celebration 17 where we like we strike the pose and i take up the uh the the saber up at the side of the head and just mm -hmm. start up with the Palpatine laugh and I've had more than one be like no no I can't do it I can't I can't get into it <laughs> that's, that's the, fun. the so the Dune mock gets them I got to I got to say I don't think that droids really I've never been I've never been a fan of the concept that evil droids turn red like is there an evil switch you throw that makes that LED go red like why is that it, it's a it's a silly assignment of anthropomorphic emotional weight to a color that a machine would not have any significance to, and it bugs me. So when we see three PO with red eyes, I think he's just powering up or accessing some data. I don't know, but it's not because he's evil. I don't think. Yeah, he's not a yeah. Sith. And well, there's the, it's love... a visual cue. Like we've always seen, like ever since two thousand one, a space odyssey. You know, we've we've seen right. evil robots kind of have like the red eye that. 
you know, but now Hal's eye was red before he was ever evil. Well, but I mean, like we equate an evil AI droid robot thing that could kill yeah. us with red now. Because yeah, you're right. His his eye was always red. But then there's the like. But no, um, you're right. Between Hal and then Maximilian and Black Hole, mm-hmm. I, I just I just don't care for it. But I and I certainly I am not a fan of C3PO. But I do not think that Lucasfilm would ever do anything to make him a villain. No, mm-hmm. he's that's just that's just more nonsense hero. talk. Yeah, exactly. But Ray using the red lightsaber, I'm torn, man. Like we could be going the whole force vision and you know darkest timeline type thing where she's just seeing a potential end to her current i liked that ending to the to the trailer but i'm telling you man that ray and kylo it appears to be fighting on in a sea on death star wreckage and then the shot of all those star destroyers just sitting there kind of like chilling waiting like did they find the biggest junkyard in the world or are we about to see the most amazing space battle in the history of film I know that looks like the the kuat drive yard to me right that's a, literally a yard of <laughs> of uh star destroyers well that's not that's not kuat though because kuat has gosh i'm such a canon police a-hole uh no do kuat, it kuat is uh like you you got you most of that in, right <laughs> you see it in battlefront <laughs> too i believe it's it's like it's a it's not in it's in a stable system like where that's clearly in like a hidden, that's like a unknown regions. You know, it, it much like where Solo did the castle run. It looks just like that. It evokes that exact same feeling where it's like this is scary space and we shouldn't be here. They all look like they're just in like standby mode, low power waiting. Yep. Oh, that thing yeah, is it's just scary. <laughs> Well, and they're that, definitely Imperial class Star Destroyers from the original trilogy. Absolutely confirmed. Also, I'm just going to quick go off on a tangent about this because there's a great thread in the Alliance of Star Wars Fanatics about this today. Uh, the If you go back to the original teaser trailer for this film that came out at uh, Celebration, when the A-Wing flies across the screen, kind of burning, everyone's focusing on that A-Wing and like, oh, cool space battle. If you go frame by frame, the Star Destroyer that it flies by is one of these star destroyers that you see in this most recent trailer. So, and, and you can tell by there's a red outline marking on the edge of the star destroyer, but you can also tell by the shield generators on the top, it's most certainly not a first order ship. Uh, it's absolutely an Imperial one that's been, you know, hiding for however long. It's one of those, you know, mess of star destroyers we saw in that clip. So, we got, we actually saw this before but not quite to this extent. And we just, I cannot believe that a star Wars fan with a, with a Eagle eye did not catch that, that it is rare that a star Wars fan doesn't catch something in a trailer. And so that's, well, you got it. That surprised the crap out of me. Yeah. I'm, I'm always looking for what ridiculous thing will people come up with based on this trailer. Like when we saw saw Guerrera first enter on the trailer for rogue one and with his robot foot, I was like, Oh, 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 people are going to think that's mall. They're going to think this insurance mall. (laughs) Yep. No, I thought the same thing, but yeah. So I don't know what, what more you guys think about those starter shirts, but I thought that was just so interesting because I'm such a huge fanboy of the aftermath trilogy and, Oh, of Claudia Gray's bloodlines. And so all that stuff about the Imperial remnant and what happened, where all this gear, because at the end of that, at the end of the, the battle of Jakku, like star destroyers are just getting beamed coordinates and they're saying, jump to these coordinates. Now do it. And they jumped those coordinates and 
they're all jumping to different places and some of them are jumping into like black holes and some of them are jumping to one spot and then the and then Sloan finally gets there and there's the eclipse and Star Destroyers run. It's just there's so much nuts, crazy stuff that happened at the end of that book that I cannot wait. Because clearly a bunch of Imperials get left behind. Because we see that in the in the Mandalorian. We see that in Aftermath. You know, we hear about these different Imperial remnants that went off to space and saw some crazy stuff. We hear about that in uh we know in the Phasma novel that they're out in deep space, you know, landing on different planets and trying to recruit people and find resources. There's so much stuff going on in this universe. And that's why it's just so right for the pick. Like this, this movie is going to give us so much answers and it's just going to be so, it's going to wrap so much stuff together that I don't think we even realize it will. And it's going to be beautiful guy. Like, it's just going to be a beautiful film. Like just from a, I get really excited about logistics. I cannot wait to see like the logistics of how the empire and the first order all figure oh, their stuff out. And I know there's going to be novel after novel, after comic, after comic about that stuff. It's not all going to happen in the movie, but this movie is going to be the gateway for that. And I'm just so pumped about that. I'm just so excited about it. By the way, Evan Verlaine is the name of the Alderanian Y-wing pilot that I couldn't remember earlier. Just had to put that in there. Did you guys see the suggestion that the, there's a Twi'lek in the Mandalorian who looks over her shoulder and winks at the camera. Mm-hmm. And I saw someone suggest that's N- Natalia Tanda, or uh, you might know her as Nymphadora Tonks. Uh, from um, she's in Game of Thrones too. Yeah, that's that's conf- she confirmed it on Twitter. Oh, okay, cool. I, yeah. She's not in the IMDb, so I was like, really? What is it? Is that her? I like her a lot. So. Sorry, I, I realized as I began that sentence that she's not actually in the Rise of Skywalker trailer, but I had already started the question, so I wasn't going to give up on it there. No, Can we okay, talk man. about it's, Ray's it... switchblade lightsaber, please? Because I feel like we need to. <laughs> that folding okay, dual-ended light. Now, I've always hoped that they would give Ray a saber staff because obviously she's grown up. The only reason that she's not a you know dead or a gibbering in a corner somewhere is that she can fight. So she's been fighting mm-hmm. with a staff for her whole life. And I don't, they never really made much of this, but did you guys ever see going around when, when force awakens first came out, Ray's lightsaber, Ray's lightsaber, Ray's staff is just made of lightsaber hilts. It's like a big stack of lightsaber hilts, noticeable parts of Maul and Mace Windu's and Kenobi's lightsabers, like mm-hmm. make up that staff. And I, that, I don't know if that's just like a nod of the wardrobe department or uh, the prop master, what have you, but Obviously, I always wanted to have a lightsaber staff. I sort of thought it would be blue, but sure, why not give her a red one? I have always thought that it would never happen, but I would I would love to see the story of Kylo Ren trying to follow the dark side and being pulled towards the light while Rey is having the exact opposite of trying to follow the light being pulled towards the dark. And I was hoping they would basically trade sides at some point and come at each other from the opposite end. Now she's the dark and he's the light. But mm-hmm. once you kill your dad, you're kind of locked in there. That's been an unforgivable <laughs> sin since Greek tragedy. Yeah, it's tough to come back from being that big of a POS. Yeah, patricide. <laughs> I mean, patricide on its own, but when your dad is Han Solo, look at you. What have you got? So, yeah, but I, mm-hmm. I do think that we're going to learn that her wielding the red saber is a vision of what is to come if she doesn't, you know, if you make this bad decision or whatever, like down the path of Vader, you will go. We like, it's whatever. I, but I don't, in no way is Ray going to close that movie out as a villain. Um, 
Well, and if so, they wouldn't have shown us it. Right. You know, exactly. Love it if they did. But uh, yeah, that's, there's no there's no possible way Ray or 3PO are evil. So that would be the biggest hoax since War of the Worlds. If well, they pull that off. A lot of people don't know this, but there are industry awards that are given out to the makers of trailers, the same as they give out uh, Oscars to to films. But they don't publicize it because they have they have awards like most deceptive and best trailer for worst movie. So like if your job, you know, you, you want at the end of the year, you want some accolades for your job. You're going to make a trailer that makes people go in totally the wrong direction. And a perfect example of that is the trailer for Last Jedi, where we see we hear Luke's voiceover. He says, I've seen something you remember the line. I've seen something along something along the lines of I've only seen power like this once before. I wasn't afraid of it then. Everybody, not everybody. I talked to a lot of people who who were strongly convinced that that line indicated Ray was a Palpatine because Luke has said he'd seen that power once before. It didn't scare him then, and he tells Palpatine, "I'm not afraid of you." Mm-hmm. And so that's. But you know, in the line in the movie, the line is, I, "I've only seen raw power like that once before in Ben Solo." But they just cut out the in Ben mm-hmm. Solo part to make us wonder. So. I try not to make any kind of decisions of what I think is going to happen. In the movie. I used to have this discussion with an ex idiot friend of mine all the time <laughs> about how their purpose, their a trailer is purposefully going to mislead you because they don't want to give the whole movie away in the trailer. Right. Uh, otherwise, you know, it just, it doesn't make sense. And it's like, it's a common, it's a common theme in trailers you sure. know, that, to do that. And, but some people like literally they are of the opinion that if it's in the trailer, I'm sure this person is, well, Ray must be bad at the end. The, right. the, that's Trailers how mental are these people canon. are. <laughs> right. It's yeah. The movie's not even done. Yeah. Well, the rogue one trailer, I think only like 21 seconds of the rogue one yeah, trailer made the final film. Was in the yeah. Movie. We're yeah. Been running on the beach with the plans. Nope. Not happen. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Outtakes. <laughs> Re- and that's a good reshoot. Point, I mean, I, they uh it, that happens with trailers they 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 will be uh they will try to to pull the rug out from under you often with films but star wars has never done that whether it's a tv show or a movie or anything they do not they stay uh they're well aware of their ambiguity and they star wars trailers have very much always given you the texture and flavor and visual flair that a movie will be they give you the atmosphere of what a movie will see will be like to prep you to kind of like it's almost like a when you jump into a pool like olympic swimmers will like splash themselves with water like it that's what the trailers are for star wars they never have pulled fast ones on you as much as they've you know purposely not finished they lines, vague book at you but yeah, yeah you're, they'll, you're right. they'll be yeah. yeah, so like it gets you, it gets you excited. Like, but a solid oh, it's rule, JJ. He's gonna pull a fast one. I'm like, it, JJ doesn't do that with Star Wars. And the one time he did do that with Star Trek, he's regretted it ever since. I saw, he, <laughs> I saw an article today, and I couldn't even click on it because it was just so stupid. It said, <laughs> it said, uh, all of the answers for all of your questions having to do with star Wars will be answered in the rise of Skywalker says JJ Abrams, the, the guy yeah, who brought guy you who lost. lost. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> is, that was pretty funny. Honestly, I gotta say I, I didn't get all the way through lost, but yeah, I can see that. 
well, I mean, no one really did, but, and I, if I ever, if I ever have a chance to talk to JJ, I'd be like, dude, what the hell, bro? I'm like, seriously, but he, there's no way he's going to lost Star Wars. I like his work in almost everything he's done. I didn't care for lost, but that wasn't, it just wasn't my genre. But one thing that amuses me about him coming back in to do nine, having done seven and not eight is a lot of people are fairly convinced that he's in to quote, fix it, to fix what Johnson did. And I'm trying to imagine a world where Lucasfilm says, okay, Ryan, make this movie. See you next year. And then nobody ever looks at what he's doing until premiere night. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, do you, do you think Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger went to the premiere of, of force of last Jedi and went, Oh, Oh, I didn't know he was, Oh no, no. Like they watched that movie a hundred times before it ever aired. They probably got dailies, literally daily. Yeah. And like, we know what happens when someone's making a movie that Lucasfilm doesn't like Lord and Miller, you get fired and they hire Ron Howard. And, Mm -hmm. but the fact that anybody thinks that Lucasfilm is panicking and trying to fix last Jedi. Oh, it, it only is the ninth most profitable film in the history of filmmaking. I wish it had done better. There's some guy, I wish I could say his name, um, I think he's he's banned off Tal Swift, but you guys would recognize him if I said it. <laughs> I'm gonna Joshua McAdams. He uh, <laughs> is unbelievable in his gall to like anybody who says anything positive about anything that's happened since Return of the Jedi is a shill, and he'll like ask people how much they got paid to say that, and just like nobody could ever possibly have a sincere thought that disagrees with him, and it's just. And uh, it's just so frustrating to see what people have decided to like, go, go write your own fan fiction, dude. Like I had a great time when Darth Vader beat up the football team and made Debbie Rath all to go to the prom with me too. But I don't think it's going to happen on screen and I'm not going to be mad if it doesn't. I got to stop using her name when I make that joke. It's, not, it's actually her name, but uh, anyway, maybe bleep that one out. So a- anyway, I can't wait to see what they do with Ray. Um, but the oh oh sorry I was going to say about trailers is a good rule of thumb with trailers is if you hear vo- words spoken over action there's no way that those words are happening in that way at that time you know like when you mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. Luke put his hand on R two and you hear Luke say the force is strong in my family no he's not saying it to R two so like that's not that's not what's going on <laughs> I had a funny a funny conversation with someone and, and this was a legitimately we disagreed but it was a, an amusing disagreement where they were like of course Ray is a Skywalker why else would Luke say the force is strong in my family my father had it my sister had it you have that power too like why would why would he say that to her and I and I asked the guys like do you like ice cream yeah and I said yeah we like ice cream in my family. My father liked it. I like it. You like it too. You see how you're not my child now by me saying that? <laughs> like it's it's not you we see what we want to see. So, of course. Anyway, of course. So, I want to ask you guys real quick because we've done a lot of uh, responsible speculation tonight. We've done a lot of beating around the bush. It's been a lot of bush beating. I want to know. I want you guys to each we'll start with G and we'll go to you Brian and then I, and then I'll say what I think. I want to know exactly what you think is happening in that scene where Ray unfolds that, that saber staff. I think she's having some kind of a force vision that could show her, uh, 
possible path if she takes certain actions. I get a feeling she's going to have a lot of guidance from ex-Jedi in this film. Um, so I don't think that that's an actual event taking place. <clears throat> I don't, I just, I, I, I couldn't even believe that for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something like that, you know, kind of like the, the Dagobah cave kind of thing, you know, cause it's, it's the, the, the themes in star Wars are, you know, it, it's coming back and it's, it, it, people will say that it's just me hanging on to, you know, something that I feel like I need to have. And this is not the case at all. I don't need this to happen, but I just, each thing just keeps lining up. That makes me think more and more that, you know, she's, you know, raised not a nobody, you know, it's like, is she part of the genetic lineage of Skywalker somehow? I I don't know. I just, it, it doesn't make sense that it would just not be someone very, have some kind of strong connection to the family and be part of the, you know, the catalyst to ending and closing the whole thing. But then again, we got a few months to figure it out, but mm-hmm. that's just my take on it. And like you said, you know, sometimes you see what you want to see. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I didn't see that wedding ring because I think that that's the most ridiculous because they would thing take that could time possibly to have happen. A, to have a wedding. But, or, or, yeah. Or, or maybe I didn't Talk see the wedding ring because there's no wedding ceremony. Ring, but... Like, are you with the bride or the groom? <laughs> okay, groom side sits over there. Thank you. Nothing but stormtroopers on one side and then a bunch of rebels on the other. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that, uh, first off, I think that Gerard is, is uh, right. I think that's a, a good assessment of it. What I was envisioning was Ray is. I agree. I see it as Ray is in the middle of a fight. Uh, she is about to, uh, she has her opponent, whoever that opponent is, on the ground, and she is tempted to strike them down, as she was with Kylo in Force Awakens on uh, Starkiller when she had him down the ground in the, in the ice. And it's alluded to on her face on screen and explicitly called out in the novel that she was heard, heard a voice urging her to kill him. Um, so I think she'll be in a similar position and she will be tempted to strike down her then helpless opponent. And she'll have a flash of what, what would become as a result of that. And we'll see. Uh, I, I call her Ray Suncrusher, queen of Wren, but I don't think they're going to go with that one. Um, I've communicated it to them before and I <laughs> I always get the same answer from them. How don't. did you get in here? <laughs> Who gave you the key? It's it's a, always an uncomfortable situation. But anyway, so I think that she'll just see that imagery as, oh, wait, if I go down this path, this is where it will lead me. And we may even get a voiceover from Yoda talking about, you know, once the dark side controls your life forever, it will control your destiny, what have you. So that's what I think. But I, I do not think that uh-huh. she has her hands on a red lightsaber in real life. And if she does, I don't think it's because she's going to be a Sith. Like sometimes you just pick up the, like I didn't choose the color of drill that I bought from Walmart. It was just the drill that was within my price range. So I think it's going to be something like that. You know, like Asajj Ventress used it, used a yellow lightsaber in the last years of her life. Didn't have anything to do with her moral compass. That was just the one she bought. So that's what I think will, will happen. That's just going to be her, envisioning what might happen if she takes the wrong path. Leahy, mm. what do you think? Yeah. Well, I'm a little disappointed that none of you had some, a different, a different uh, take on it. Like we all agree, but yeah, it. Uh, I think, I think there's some good visual cues that we can take from it um, that help us delineate what type of scene this is that we're watching. So if you look in the background, 
obviously it's hard to take your eyes off what you're seeing. You know, a hinged red saber staff wielded by dark ray. Yeah, that's pretty badass. It's pretty hard to take your eyes off that. But if you look in the background, the walls are so similar to what you see in the Cave of Evil, uh, where Luke is on, on Dagobah. And whether those are actual physical walls that are on Dagobah or not, or if they're a part of the vision he's in, we don't necessarily know. Um, it's pretty obvious that any type of architecture and setting can be conjured in a force vision. So that's not necessarily the most important thing to focus on, but it is an interesting thing to to dwell on in terms of JJ being a total OT fanboy and wanting to evoke that same sort of feeling. Uh, another thing that is, I think, makes it really obvious that this is, you know, just a force vision type situation is how stylized Ray is. Like she's like over the top going to a goth Halloween party, you know, hosted by a vampire family stylized. Like she's not just like she just it does it's not Yeah, she's Rey's going to the Sith, she's going to the Sith prom. Yeah, Ray has a very practical way of presenting herself and although elegant and beautiful the way she's portrayed as a as dark ray is not it doesn't appear to be that same sort of style at least in my opinion people can disagree with that or agree with that all they want but that's just what i kind of see in that um i also am slightly biased because i don't want i do not want to see ray uh go to the dark side now that's because she's my favorite star wars character and because i love her story so far and i think she is a light in the universe and will you know push the Jedi forward. But if there's a great story that's to be told where Ray does go dark for a time or forever, then that's the story. And I think I'll enjoy it because I'm also a Sith fanboy. So, so there's that. Um, aside, buddy, we're at war. I know. <laughs> no, I'm sitting on that fence, man, but I'm not a great Jedi. Cause those don't exist. Thank you. Um, yeah. Correct. Was I? Yeah. So I think that's really, I think that's really the crux of it is it's, it's so clearly a stylized situation that's happening. Like that lightsaber, if you zoom in on that thing, that thing is crispy, brand new, man. That thing hasn't seen a lick of battle. It's, it is sparkly, shiny. It's a beauty. And although I definitely think Ray could build something like that on her own, uh, I think it's, I just don't see it happening because the blades are so unstable, just like Kylo's. And maybe that's just a visual thing that they chose for the trilogy. Cause each trilogy has certain visual styles it takes. You know, like the lightsabers in the original trilogy are very thin. Lightsabers in the prequel trilogy are very thick and have very solid blades. The lightsabers in this trilogy have had very flickery, very unstable blades for the red sabers. More organic. He's good at making them anymore. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Things look a little older, a little more broken down. Organic the, is a good word for it. The fighting styles in the lightsaber battles in those trilogies that also really reflect the culture of the time in the prequel. We've got space ninjas mm -hmm. flipping all over the place because the Jedi order is at the peak of its power. There's 10,000 Jedi in the galaxy and all of them have been training in lightsaber combat since they were demonstrably toddlers. So of course everybody's doing flips and spins and, you know, crazy acrobatics. But then in the you cut to the original trilogy, the only two people in the galaxy who have lightsabers and know how to use them haven't seen each other in 20 years. Like you got to think, oh, Kenobi, you would have thought Kenobi would be a little, a little rusty by the time uh, Maul came to visit him. But, you know, that's a much different fighting style. And I always thought that Kenobi and Vader fight like two guys who haven't had this kind of a duel mm -hmm. in 20 years. 
Like, what do I do here? Yeah. Oh, 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 right, right. I, I remember the muscle memory's got to fade. And then in the sequel trilogy, I don't think the Knights of Ren have two lightsabers. I think Kylo Ren's lightsaber is the only one mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. order. I, I hope we find out more about the, the Knights of Ren, but in we've never seen anything, any other lightsaber besides his until this trailer with that, with a red blade. So I think that, you know, and Kylo, we only see him kill two people with that lightsaber and they're both unarmed defenseless old men. Uh, and he fights like it. He, he, when he fights against the first, I think when he fights Ray, that's the first time he's fought a force user who mm-hmm. has a lightsaber and it shows that he kind of flails. Every time they show us something more, it just makes it makes it so much harder to get between now and December twentieth. Yep, yeah, it's common. Um, <clears throat> what you if you got one takeaway? What was your favorite thing from the whole D twenty three thing this weekend, um, Brian? I like the technology of the folding lightsaber. I, even if it is just a vision that we'll never actually see a real one, I think it's great, and I love that there's a saber maker that already has a functioning one. So that, I think that's great. I would I would like to see how it functions. Like, would anybody ever use it when it was folded up? Is that just storage? Because like Maul had his kind of telescoping, but they also separated, if I remember right. Or no, I guess. Uh, well, his in the EU, his saber staff that he has in the Phantom Menace is what we call a right. paired lightsaber staff, where they can go together, uh, but they can also be used individually in a Jarkai uh, Jedi uh, mm-hmm. fighting form, like lightsaber combat. Um, we've seen the what's called the hinged saber staff, which is what Ray has in this trailer. We've seen that twice before, mm-hmm. once by Pong Krell in the Clone Wars episodes uh, on Umbara, and then also in um, season three, I believe, of Rebels, where, uh, or no, it's season two, where Kanan is in the dojo mm-hmm. and has to fight Temple Guard. The. Um, the Grand Inqu- the Temple Guard and the Grand Inquisitor, he gets knighted. The Grand Inquisitor has <clears throat> has a um, hinged lightsaber staff. Um, it doesn't appear like the the igniting them while they're still together. This is definitely the first time we've seen that. And it looks mm-hmm. dope like that. It looks awesome visually. Um, but yeah, the construction of those is pretty cool. No one in the saber community has really developed a great way to do that in the prop sabers yet. And I think that's going to change because this is the first time we're seeing it on screen and the saber well, community be damned if people won't develop. Perfect. I feel like this might be your favorite thing too, Daniel. Yeah, it's, it's up there, but it's not. It's I'd not. like to know when the saber community is going to get off their butts and make a helicopter lightsaber. Oh, oh no. That They're flies. That. <laughs> as soon as, uh, as soon as Lockheed Martin develops one for the military and, Lockheed Martin, my primary customer. I'll see what I can do. Look at that. <laughs> Give him a call. Get on it. Blahey, what was your favorite? What was your favorite takeaway? Uh, I think finally the just the, the the waiting. Like Tom Petty said, the waiting is the hardest part. And <laughs> finally knowing that yeah. Kenobi is going to be a thing. Yes. Is the relief that I felt. I was oddly unemotional at the announcement. Because one, we kind of got, we kind of knew it was going to happen. But yeah. also... It was just the, oh my gosh, the relief. It's like, oh my goodness. Like that is, thank goodness we're getting this. So that was my favorite thing. Now it it was hard to pick that because also you have 
you know, more Mandalorian stuff. And then this unreal sizzle reel that I did not think we were going to get. I thought we were going to get some behind the scenes junk, you know, which would be cool, but you know, not Ray with a hinged saber staff, you know, yeah. not seeing Imperial star destroyers waiting in space. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, it was a great weekend to be a star. So it really, um, it really was an infusion of energy into my star Wars stomach. You know, like I've needed that. I needed like a, a quick jolt back into it. Cause I've had a long summer dealing with a lot of crap and it just felt so good to get this massive infusion of star Wars news that really got me excited about it. Yeah. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I think that's fantastic. It's a great way to describe it. Um, yeah, the I mean the Obi Wan thing for me, man, that was that's probably the the greatest thing, or the the biggest relief, knowing that people will just stop stop speculating on it, <laughs> and, and it's a real thing. But um, there's a ton of stuff Disney related too we have, that we didn't even touch on, which I'm super pumped about because I mean Disney's you know right up there with with Star Wars um, to me and <clears throat> just. One one last thing that I want to uh, mention before I or before we uh, chime off is I'm holding in my hand my limited edition Galaxy's Edge Magic Band because in eight days I will be at Galaxy's Edge in Disney World. That's great! Congrats! That's like going to be awesome. I'm so pumped for you, dude! I can't wait. And Gosh, I'm so jealous of you. Uh, are you bringing kids or just you? Well, we're, we're taking a whole family trip down there at the end of October. Wouldn't that be funny if just you went and you're like, screw you kids. It's expensive. I don't want to wait Dude, in line with I you. I was going by myself. <laughs> and then I said, you know what? I'm going to mention it to my, we're all, we're all going, there's like 30 of us going down the end of October. I can't wait. So it opens next weekend. And I wanted to, I'm looking, I flights to and from Boston, $60 each way. It was cheap. So I'm like, I can't not go. I have an annual pass. I asked Steve, I asked my other buddy, Reggie, nobody else could go because they're all, you know, grown ups with jobs and responsibilities and stuff. And <clears throat> for some reason, I just figured I'd just go anyway, but I threw it out to Keelan. So I'm going to take her with me too. So we're going to go together. We're going to go down there for three days. We're going to check it out. We're going to get a lot of in detail information to share with everybody that isn't as fortunate enough to have been there yet. But um, I've seen some amazing, just goosebump worthy videos of there's one out there. I didn't, it wasn't a video, but this guy told a story of how his son was just kind of poking around, looking behind some boxes and behind, behind a stack of crates was Ray. Mm -hmm. And she's mm -hmm. like, are you with the resistance? And like, uh, and the kid, you know, seven or eight, like, yeah, I, I'm Ray. I'm, I'm not from anywhere. You probably don't know me. And just like had took the kid on this 10 minute <laughs> adventure with her. That's so great. And that's that's what I want to happen. You're like, that's exactly what you want. And I've seen videos of her like greeting people like you've, you know, we've got to step carefully. This is first order territory. And I don't know. It's always the same cast member in the videos I've seen. I'm sure they have more than one Ray, maybe not, but yeah, who, whoever they, they've done this park correctly. I mean, it's, there's always been a sense of immersion in all the Disney parks, you know, like the, it used to be that they don't do this anymore, but it used to be in toy story land which I, it's part of Hollywood studios, but when you're in, when you were in the toy story area, if you said Andy's coming, the cast members who were dressed as toys would, would fall down on the, on the ground because they're Andy's toys. And that kind of immersion that, you know, they, once people figured out they did that, they quit doing it. Cause then I was like, Andy's coming, Andy's coming, Andy's coming. And they never got off the ground. 
but you know that kind of thing has always been on Disney's plate. But I, I from what I've seen in Red Galaxy's Edge is just it's all about the details with them. I I yeah. preach the Disney way with even people I work with talking about just reading different books on how they approach the customer focus and every little thing that goes into even when you get some miserable you know turd of a you know cu- customer or a guest at the resort they still go. I've seen situations where I would have never been able to keep the cool that these, that these people do. And and they just, every day it's the routine and they just, they drill it into you. Not everybody's built for it, but they get the right people there and they theme everything properly. And they just, I think they just do everything great. People complain about how expensive it is. Yeah. What's that? I, I, as an annual pass holder, you probably know this, but have you heard of the Disney point? The Disney point? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. The finger. Yeah. This is you can't use one finger. You have to use two fingers. And and do you know why? So you're not rude. Is that something to do with being rude? Oh, or? It has to do with Walt Disney being a chronic chain smoker. And so in pictures of Walt Disney, whenever he's pointing at something, he has a cigarette in his hand, but Disney, the parks have removed those cigarettes from his, from his, his imagery. But he's still pointing with two fingers. And so now cast members point with two fingers as though that's how we do things at Disney. And not because Walt just had a cigarette in his hand that we don't want to show you guys. Disney magic, baby. I love it. Telling you. I love that sort of thing. That's great. And they're not allowed to say no. I, I, I really enjoy like the Haunted Mansion. That's the only place where the, the cast members can be rude to you. And at my 50s primetime diner. Oh, have yeah. They there. yell at you. They, they, if you put your arms on the, you know, if you have your elbows on the table, they'll yell at you and yeah, but it's, it's cool. It, you, but you know what going into it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's a, oh, it's, I missed. Can I interrupt real quick? You can. I know. I, I know people say, can I interrupt real quick? But in doing that, they're interrupting. It's really just an a-hole thing to say to make themselves feel better in a situation where otherwise they'd look like an a-hole. Yeah, but it's just um, what we used anyways. to Go ahead. So. At one point, I just saw in my notes that I forgot to point out about that scene with Ray is that her lightsabers are incredibly unstable. And that is in my in so what I'm thinking is in her head, what she thinks a dark side force user with a red lightsaber looks like has these unstable blades because that's all she's ever seen. So if her mind is creating an image, just like yours would in a dream, if her mind is creating an image of what she will be when she's evil and fall into the dark side, her lightsaber blades would look like Kylo's similarly, right? All right, that's my last point. Yeah. I, I just want to leave everyone with that. That's my last. I'm done. I'm shutting the book, the notebook. <laughs> that is I'm a through. that is a good take. That is an interesting perspective on it as well. So I'm actually glad that you were so rude and interrupted us. <laughs> Agree. I know. <laughs> Someone needs to be interrupted regularly. Right. Mm-hmm. I accept. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, you know what? Before we go, everybody that is ever in the Dallas area, check out the Holocron, the toy shop, Robert Fisher. That place is awesome. Um, 6,000 square feet of every Star Wars toy yeah. you ever had as a child or wished you'd had from a 1977 mm-hmm. era Jawa figure with vinyl cape mint on the card for $20,000 up to a Jar Jar Binks Pez dispenser everything it's unbelievable i i've been every time i go to fort worth i stop in there so you have fort, fort worth texas holocron toy store you can't miss yeah check check it out it's definitely a um you know somebody we know we've had the opportunity to meet all of us have actually and um yeah we, 
got to do more of that. Promote promote the good guys out there that, uh, um, you know, good people and they got awesome products. So, uh, And they do have an online store, so you can hit them up. Holocron oh. store, find them on Facebook, find them on the web. Yeah. When did that launch? I didn't know that yeah. launch. Oh, we oh, got to talk about this off air. Yeah, we'll definitely post some links to that stuff in the uh, in the show notes and everything too. But um, yeah, check it out. I got, that, that's all I have. I uh, Thanks for uh, taking the time, guys, sitting sitting around and chatting Star Wars with me. And um, oh, it's good to be back. It's been yeah, a while. Yeah, <clears throat> too long. Hopefully, you can stay uh, stay healthy. But um, yeah, we might, <laughs> we might get four shows out this year. I know. Oh, come on, let's not go. <laughs> let's not go crazy, bro. <laughs> it's already September almost. <laughs> I know. I but know. yeah, thanks for uh, checking it out, and um, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye, bye. See you guys. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Broaxium. That is B-R-O-A-X-I-U-M. Don't forget to check us out at Broaxium.com and check out our Facebook group, The Alliance of Star Wars Fanatics, on Facebook. You can also reach that group by going to taoswf.com.